0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at six. Good
1: evening. Thanks for joining us. Sophie is off this week. Shocking video of a BC woman unloading a racist tirade in the middle of a res- tirade in the middle of a restaurant is going viral tonight. Ramina Dea has more on what the woman said that cost her her job, and how both sides are reacting tonight. And a warning. Some viewers are going to find the exchange hard to watch. Okay. Well, I
2: shut your mouth, then. Because um, you know what, you're dealing with Canadian woman right now, and I will leap across the table and punch you right in your mouth. Kelly Pocha launched into a racist verbal attack at a Denny's in Lethbridge, Alberta. It's it my f-ing show me. I was born and raised here. We were you. F-ing. F-ing. I respected
0: you first, and I didn't talk with you.
2: You. The reason? The men in the next booth say she took offense because they weren't speaking English.
3: And As a human being, we should never get treated like that.
2: Munir Omerzai, originally from Afghanistan, says he moved to Canada 13 years ago.
3: I have never never seen such a thing like that for 13 years. And somebody just shows you so much hate and so much angriness. So... It was just something shocking for me
2: i we're am like, canadian You
3: relax it doesn't matter we're all Canadians. no relax. you're yeah. not
2: canadian yes we're all no, the same. you are not
3: you're canadian. a human being
2: the men say they reported the incident to lethbridge police right after it happened last month
3: we did ask the police at the moment if there was charges against this and the police said that there is no criminal code against racism
2: Lethbridge police now tweeting it's aware of the video and it's looking into the matter. Politicians, including the city's mayor and Alberta premier, denouncing the racist behavior on social media, where the video has been viewed more than 100,000 times since it was posted a few days ago. You're not dealing with one of your Syrian right now. You're You're dealing with a Canadian woman. Amia Kalpa from Pocha, who was visiting from Cranbrook. She's apologizing, but is adamant she only reacted because the men were laughing behind her back. Basically only seeing the end part of it, um, where I was extremely irate. You don't see the whole video. You don't see what was said to me. Do you think any of the stuff that you said was racist at all? Oh, of course. Of course. Totally was. And I could like rewind and take it back, I would, but I can't. Can't take it back because in the court of social media, public perception is judge and jury. Late in the afternoon, Poach's employer, Cranbrook Dodge, also posted online, stating she's been terminated. The company deeply apologizing for her actions. Ramina Dea, Global News.
1: Some breaking news out of Langley right now, where a toddler has been rushed to hospital after falling from an apartment window. Our Nadia Stewart is live with the details. And, Nadia, is there any update on the condition of the child?
4: Not at this point, Chris. We do know uh, that this two-year-old child was airlifted to uh, BC Children's uh, from Langley over to Vancouver. Uh, This all happened around 1 o'clock this afternoon. The child fell from the fourth floor of this uh, apartment building behind us. Of course, uh, ambulance police rushed to the scene, uh, got here as quickly as they could. It's believed that the child fell in the bushes, but we're not still clear on the extent of the child's injuries. Of course, if we do have any information, we'll pass that along to our viewers as soon as we get it. Definitely a reminder, though, as we head into these warmer months uh, for parents to keep an eye on their kids near windows.
1: Back to you, Chris. That's an excellent reminder. Okay, thanks very much, Nadia. Police have issued a warning today about a scam that is targeting young Chinese nationals living in Vancouver. Over the weekend, Two students received calls from someone they believed to be from the Chinese consulate. They were told there was a warrant for their arrest or Chinese police needed their help in an investigation. They were then told to make fake videos indicating they'd been kidnapped or perhaps the victim of another crime. And police say those videos were then sent to the victim's family members to extort money. The line is that they will be arrested. Uh, They're holding that over their heads and they believe the person on the other end to be a police officer from China and they believe everything they say and they start following it. Some have gone so far as to do the virtual kidnapping, which we call it, and others haven't gone quite that far. But each stage of this, there's an opportunity for these criminals to get money out of the families. The VPD received 20 similar reports of extortion attempts last year. Investigators believe the suspects are likely not in Canada. A Surrey woman linked to the largest animal seizure in BC SPCA history found guilty today of causing distress to animals in her care. More than 80 dogs and cats were seized from Ivy Zhu's property two years ago. Some of them in such bad shape they had to be euthanized. Jeff Hastings has more on Jew's sentence and what she had to say outside the courthouse.
5: Ivy Zhao emerges from the Surrey courthouse, sees the cameras, and tries to go back. She can't. But then she unloads. They are not telling the truth, she says. The SBCA is lying.
6: This woman is the bane of our existence, and she, uh, those animals suffered
7: greatly.
5: Zhao has been found guilty of causing an animal to be in distress. Actually, more than 80 cats and dogs seized from her Surrey property in 2016.
7: Uh, This was absolutely not the first time that we had been dealing with her. She had uh, animals removed back in 2014. This individual absolutely knew what was required to look after animals and instead of investing in their welfare, put the profits into her pocket.
5: Many of the seized animals were sick, many were found to be kept in distress, cats briefly in an unventilated attic and a furnace room, dog and cat barns ill-suited to the comfort and safety of the animals. Zhao denied allegations of abuse. I kept telling the judge I am telling the truth, she says, but the judge says that is not enough. Zhao received a two-year suspended sentence. She must perform 100 hours of community service and she's received a ban from owning or caring for animals for the next seven years. She could have gone to jail for two years and been fined $75,000. Zhao says her lawyer forgot to present a key piece of evidence. Nobody, it seems, is happy with the sentence.
7: Exceptionally disappointed. I guarantee that if I'm in this job seven years from now, I'll be back on talking about this woman.
5: Jeff Hastings, Global News.
1: More breaking news for you right now, this time out of Osuyus. It's under a state of local emergency tonight due to the imminent threat of flooding. Lake levels in the south Okanagan town rapidly rising. A local state of emergency has also been declared for rural Osuyus, where the Similkameen River and its tributaries are experiencing high stream flows and localized flooding from groundwater inundation. 9-16 uh, becomes very concerning uh, for properties that are on the lake. This is more than last year, and it's higher than it's been since 73, I think. And many uh, Soyuz residents are busy sandbagging, trying to protect their homes and businesses from the rapidly rising lake. We'll keep an eye on that situation for you, too, and bring you any breaking details as they become available. The free lunches might be ending for MLAs living in Victoria. Right now, they are able to claim a daily per diem to cover meals, even those who live right close to the legislature. But as Richard Zussman reports, critics question why they're not brown-bagging it instead. And today, a bill was introduced to that end.
8: At this construction site in Victoria, there are no free lunches. It's hard to even afford a lunch most of the days,
3: you know, let alone... I hear that they're
8: eating. Yeah, we're We're spending like 50 bucks a week on lunches. But across the street at the B.C. legislature, MLAs are eating... On your dime. Today, the B.C. Liberals putting forward legislation that would ban local MLAs from getting up to $67 a day for a per diem.
6: It's something that's uh, admittedly uh, smaller on the dollar scale, but I think it's something that's relatable to uh, very many British Columbians.
8: Since September, ministers who live within a 20-minute drive of the legislature have been racking up big meal bills. Finance Minister Carol James at $1,587, Education Minister Rob Fleming at $1,462.50, and Premier John Horgan at $1,684.50.
6: If I'm working long days and I have a meal here, I charge for the meal.
8: At the Legislative Dining Room, where many of these MLAs eat, the most expensive menu item is $1,295. So people are wondering, why do MLAs get $27 for lunch?
1: I mean, all of those things around MLAs expenses are decided by the Legislative Management Committee. So uh, if there's changes being proposed, uh, I think all members of the House should have a look at that.
8: Oak Bay Gordon head MLA and Green Party leader Andrew Weaver also gets a free lunch most days, today being no different. But Weaver says he's taking it now because it's within the rules. But if it's changed, it should not just include local MLAs, but as many as 24 Liberals who own or rent nearby.
4: The MLAs who've bought
8: places
0: here have kitchens here. It should apply to them. There's a, an MLA who lives in a, in a mobile home. It should apply to him. So, if, so long as it applies to everyone who has a kitchen.
8: Back across the street, all this is a distant thought for these guys because they have to get back to work earning their lunch money. Richard Sussman, Global News, Victoria. <laughs>
1: Remember that? It's officially been one year since our historic provincial election. After 16 years under Liberal Party rule, although it wasn't immediately apparent, B.C. voters did eventually elect what became our first minority government since 1952. All right, Keith Baldry joins us now with uh, more on this. Uh, Keith, a bit of a reality check now, I guess, on how British Columbians are feeling about the NDP's performance since they took over power. Keith?
4: Yeah, Angus Reid has a new poll, out, Angus Reid Institute, that I think the NDP can take some heart uh, with. Uh, some some interesting numbers and some contradictions as well. Uh, asked a number of questions, because an election's not going to happen tomorrow. The, the horse race number's not as important. But asking British Columbians, for example, is B.C. on the right track uh, with the with the new government in place? 42% say no, B.C. is not on the right track. 29% uh, say yes, B.C. is on the right track, doing quite fine. 28% don't know. Uh, the top issues, two have emerged since that election, and they, they dwarf the other ones. First of all, housing and affordability, 50% of the population think that's the top issue, uh, one of the top issues, and uh, those pipelines, tankers, and the Kingdom Oregon pipeline come in at 42%. Basically, those two issues more than double the next two, which is health care and taxes. And here's where some more contradictions come in. 75% of the public, by and large, support the NDP's housing policies, particularly those new taxes, such as the speculation tax, but 50% think the NDP government is not handling the housing Uh, issue well at all in fact it disapproves of the way they've been handling housing and 53 percent also disapprove of how the horgan government has been handling the kinder morgan pipeline so the top two issues in the voters minds are being uh, handled quite poorly by the government in charge
1: and and still there are some contradictory views in those numbers what do you read into that well, you know, I think there's a cranky electorate out there that are frustrated with uh, the
4: affordability issue in particular, uh, probably have some problems with, with the new government, but also I think are forgiving to the fact that it is a new government. I didn't turn this into a graphic, but in terms of voting intentions, the NDP would win the election today, 41% to 36% for the liberals. So the NDP is still in charge.
1: Still got, still got to feel good about that. Okay, thanks very much, yeah. Keith. More tonight on the lengthy disruption facing commuters at the Granville SkyTrain station in Vancouver. Later this month, the Seymour Street entrance will be closed for up to two years while they replace the station's three largest escalators. Grace Key explains why that overhaul is so tricky.
9: They're known as the Big Three. At 35 metres long, they are the longest escalators in Metro Vancouver. They carry 10 million people a year, and after 32 years, the Granville Skytrain Station escalators are being replaced.
3: With all that wear and tear, it's now time to have a significant upgrade and put new units in.
9: But what's stunning some transit users is just how long it'll take to get the job done. TransLink says two years two years it's going to be down for that's a pretty long time not being an expert in engineering i mean two years sounds like a long time two years like it's too long time and it's really hard and it's very difficult and people will face lots of problems the escalators are completely removed and rebuilt piece by piece on site it's not a typical installation. TransLink says the escalator length and confined underground space are issues. It usually takes six months to replace standard escalators with prefabricated parts. Each of these units will take six to eight months. It's done one at a time for safety reasons and to allow room to work.
3: That's the most efficient and lowest cost way to do this project is to allow the workers the space to as quickly as they can finish the upgrades of the three units in one go.
9: During construction, the Seymour Street entrance will be closed. Two extra fare gates have been installed at the Dunsmuir entrance, and proactive maintenance is being completed. Granville Station is the third busiest in the system. Construction begins May 26, and replacing six escalators will cost about $14.5 million. These are the first of 37 escalators to be replaced in the system, but the big three will be the most complex. Grace Key, Global News.
1: Just as the spring real estate season kicks into high gear, B.C. homeowners, buyers, and sellers have a new tool at their fingertips with information once only available to realtors. Its creators say that the website provides better transparency into housing data, empowering all stakeholders to make more informed decisions. John Waugh explains. In recent
3: years, B.C.'s real estate market has been compared to the Wild West. One should always be
10: wary.
9: People are, you know, um, bullying people into trying to get their, their their property.
3: It sucks, but that's the way the world is. While it might feel like anything goes, consumers can protect themselves with the right information.
10: You'll see exactly what where you are in the market at that time.
3: Real Estate Wire, or REW's new property insights tool, is a one-stop shop on how much a property in this province is worth.
10: We always uh, recommend they seek advice of an agent when, when uh, nearing a, a purchasing decision. Um, but it's all that kind of homework and studying up front.
3: Bad news for door knockers trying to take advantage of people with low ball offers.
1: Well, I get solicitation all the time. People wanting to buy our house because somebody's willing to pay this much cash.
3: It's also a reality check for homeowners who believe fond family memories should influence price. And technically, there is no gatekeeper to this information because it's all public. But to figure things out like sales history, recent sales in the area, and the median price that the properties went for, you'd have to look up each address individually through BC Assessments. As opposed to having to go to various websites, compile all the information, put it together. So I think if you can have it sort of on one platform, uh, it just makes things a lot easier. Well, some realtors won't be happy, Sureski says their days of being gatekeepers of information are ending. I think some of these realtors, you know, they get a little bit nervous about giving away some of that information. One step towards greater transparency for those who feel the old real estate ways
1: should ride off into the sunset. John Hua, Global News. A test run today for Canada's new emergency alert system didn't go exactly as planned. It was sent out at exactly 1.55 Pacific time this afternoon, but a lot of people didn't get the message. As Ted Chernecki explains, the reasons behind the misfire are not immediately clear. Here's the one time not
0: leaving your phone alone could pay off. The CRTC has mandated all cell phone operators to find a way to use the mobile phone network to warn of an impending emergency. Today there was a system-wide test across most of Canada, and the results mixed at best.
10: Did you get an
8: emergency broadcast? No. No.
10: I did
0: on this home phone, yeah.
7: We don't have SIM cards. I don't know if that matters.
0: SIM cards would help. So good and bad results, but it's going to get worse. Goodbye, Kate. No! TV and radio were doing the alert tests as per usual, and in some provinces, most of the phones were lighting up, but even if they did, there was a much bigger problem. Are you ready for an emergency? Like for the home? No. And I'm a geotech. There
11: was a warning and I was living in Victoria and it was really scary because I didn't
0: know what to do. I've never really prepared myself for that. So are you ready for a big tsunami, earthquake, whatever? No, just hide under the table. Then there's the economic disparity. They might eventually get all middle class phones working. But here in the downtown east side, there wasn't a single response that we saw when the appointed moment arrived. People either didn't have a phone, if they did it wasn't compatible, or they were unaware of the alert. The city's most vulnerable would be the last to know, but it's going to get worse. You have to have a compatible LTE smartphone, and all those compatible phones are, uh, if you go to alertready.ca, there's a phone compatibility tab, a link, that takes you direct to the wireless carrier where they list all their compatible smartphones. But even at the very top of the chain of command, the phone stayed silent. Oh,
1: ah, I got something that came up. Uh, Oh, no, no. No, nope. this is why you know testing is being done, uh, and now we can go back and say, look, not everybody's got an alerts, and uh, this glitch is still in the system. Now, if
0: the one minister responsible for emergency preparedness for public safety, if he isn't warned, well, Tetrnaki Global News.
1: Harassment and assault are not welcome here. That's the message a Victoria Nightspot wants to send with its latest hire, as Kylie Stanton reports, a consent captain will soon be working the crowds, helping confront rape culture.
2: They come for the music and the dancing, but in some cases a night out can take a turn.
3: People are stupid. Especially at a bar when they have some alcohol in them. So this is our space.
2: Now the Victoria Events Centre is hoping to change that combating harassment and sexualized violence in the city's nightlife scene with the introduction of a new position.
3: So we have a consent captain on board for some of our busier, more dance floor focused nights.
2: Meet Tanil Guybe. Part of my role is to set the tone of the environment, um, and I'm there for educational purposes or support. Guybe will greet guests as they enter the venue, introducing herself and the concept to
3: patrons. To understand your own desires and clearly communicate them.
2: Posters outlining the expectations have also been put throughout the space in hopes of furthering the conversation.
3: Consent is ongoing.
2: That's turned into a movement. If you see something,
10: say something!
3: The Me Too movement has really helped to bring some of these issues into public consciousness and this has felt like a way that we could respond with something tangible that we can offer in our space here.
7: We're not saying don't go have a good time and flirt and hit on people and try those things, but we're trying to say, hey, like, let's be aware
2: of what energy we're putting out there. The hope is the idea will set a precedent and other venues will get on board, like the public seems to be.
10: Come on, it's time to shape up, I think, and something like this gets it moving.
2: Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria.
1: The flames coming out are like a blowtorch. Another fiery wake-up call for people living in Hawaii's Leilani Estates neighborhood. Powerful new eruptions at Kilauea triggering molten lava and more toxic gases to pour from massive cracks. The fissures that everybody has seen running through the neighborhood. Wearing a gas mask and armed with some cameras, the owner of APOW Hawaii Tours was just nine meters away. When he recorded one of the eruptions spewing gas from several hot spots, lava flow from the volcano has destroyed dozens of homes. The legal drama surrounding Donald Trump's attorney and fixer heating up tonight with new questions over millions of dollars paid to Michael Cohen. The allegation that Cohen was selling access to the president.
12: He has never thought... Tonight, stunning accusations. The lawyer for business. porn star Stormy Daniels Ford alleging the president's like- personal attorney, Michael Cohen, was selling access to the president of the United States. Michael Lavinati claiming some $4.4 million flowed through Cohen's company after October 2016.
8: I think they, pay, they paid the money to Michael Cohen probably because he suggested to AT&T that he could provide access to the president and, and could act as a lobbyist.
12: And tonight, NBC News is learning new details about those payments, including some from companies that had business pending with the new administration. A senior official at pharmaceutical company Novartis telling NBC News Cohen reached out to the company's then-CEO shortly after the election, promising access to the new administration. The company says it paid Cohen nearly $1.2 million for what was supposed to be advice on health care policy, but soon realized Cohen couldn't deliver. That official also says special counsel Robert Mueller asked about Cohen's offer of access. Novartis says they cooperated fully. And another major company, AT&T, paid at least $200,000 to Cohen's company, saying it was to provide insights into understanding the new administration. The company made the payments to Mr. Cohen's company at the very time the telecommunications giant was seeking government approval for an $85 billion takeover of Time Warner. Also under a microscope, Columbus Nova, a U.S.-based firm with ties to Russian oligarch Victor Vekselberg, who is linked to Vladimir Putin. Columbus Nova paid $500,000 to Cohen's firm between January and August 2017. In a statement, Columbus said it hired Cohen as a consultant regarding potential sources of capital and potential investments in real estate and other ventures. Only months earlier, Cohen had used the same account to wire that hush money payment to Stormy Daniels over her allegation: she had an affair with mr trump which he denies the white house today deflecting the president promised
13: to drain the swamp
12: so does he feel it's appropriate that michael cohen his personal attorney was selling access to him that's a determination that individual companies have to make and I haven't spoken with the president in a dramatic scene on a new york sidewalk
7: cohen fired any back at avenatti's I claims not? any response
1: to His document is inaccurate.
8: How do you feel about you may have changed an election?
1: More coverage of this year's 20th anniversary of the Courage to Come Back Awards, and tonight's focus is the recipient in the mental health category. Suzanne Venuta survived unimaginable physical and emotional abuse as a child. Years later, she was diagnosed with a mental illness at the age of 44. Lynn Collier explains how Suzanne has battled back.
6: Yeah, I look at these and I see a lot of me zoned out quite a few times. Little Susie is smiling in these childhood pictures, but
11: what they don't show is the terror she endured until she finally left home at 18. Sexual, physical, and psychological abuse that started when she was just
6: two years old. As a kid, there's nowhere to go. There's no escape, especially when the people that are abusing you are your caregivers.
11: It was worse as a teenager, finally realizing this wasn't normal, but being unable to change her situation. Suzanne started to
6: dissociate, fracture her mind, separate herself from the horrors she was being dealt daily. When I talk to youth in school, I tell them I've been down to Hades and back so many times, I should get air mile points, right? Mm-hmm.
11: Suzanne's sense of humor is one of the attributes that's helped her deal with her mental illness, an illness that wasn't correctly diagnosed until she was 44
6: years old. I remember May of 2003, my psychiatrist said, yeah, we did the screening because we had talked about it before. And and he said, yeah, okay, here are the results. And I thought, thank Christ, I'm not crazy. I live with depression. I live with complex post-traumatic stress disorder. And the big one is I live with dissociative identity disorder.
11: Suzanne talks openly about her journey. She wants to help others understand
6: mental illness and not be afraid. Dissociation was my drug of choice. I was fragmented. My memory is fragmented. You guys can make the change happen. That's my spiel for today. And she's
11: not stopping at classrooms. Suzanne has her sights firmly focused on doing a TED Talk.
6: My message isn't about, oh, poor little Susie, look what happened to her. How did she have to go through all of this? That's not what the story is about. The story is about strength. The story is about resiliency. If I was to summarize her, she'd be the the poster woman for hope. I know it's a lot. She's been very open with kids here in, in the valley. They're, they're just amazed. They're like, wow. You're welcome, She guys. is like the voice of hope. You're welcome. Hang in there, sweetie. That's <laughs> good. My philosophy is we can change mental health and stigma, and we can create understanding one conversation at a time, right? And what happens to you is not who you are. Lynn
11: Collier, Global
1: News. In the middle of the opioid crisis, it's obvious substance abuse affects us all. But in some cultures, speaking openly about it is strictly taboo. Now a specialized health clinic in Surrey is changing the way South Asians deal with addiction, by fighting a stigma that often prevents them from seeking help. Sonia Diol reports.
14: Hello. On the other end of the line, uh-huh. Mr. Singh.
13: another patient from the South Asian community struggling with an addiction to alcohol. Dr. Puri leads the Roshni Clinic in Surrey and says the reason this community needs its own specialized
14: clinic is clear. What we're seeing is a lot of trends that this community is vulnerable to being a lot sicker from their substance use. Are you any closer to understanding why that would be? I think that's the questions we're trying to ask um, and trying to really get, get at.
13: Fraser Health launched the clinic to deal with alcohol and drug addictions a year ago, the first of its kind in BC, where support is culturally tailored, including help offered in languages like Hindi and Punjabi.
14: It's already hard enough to pick up the phone and call, but when you're met with somebody who can't understand you on the other end, it's very discouraging.
13: But one of the biggest challenges this community still faces is reaching out for that help in the first place. Many families dealing with addicts still keeping it behind closed doors because protecting family reputation holds more weight than going to see a specialist.
14: Well, I think we worry about what other people will think, um, but that can kind of worsen some of the problems within our own family unit. I think stigma is something that, is, that can be challenged with education. How has the group been going?
3: Our group is going really good. The
13: team here now really trying to work out where they can raise more awareness. Places of worship often attracts large congregations. Some feel that's not really the right place to have discussions on substance abuse. But one religious leader says that needs to change.
8: If we have social problems that we can talk about it and say, hey, this is where to seek help. This is how to help some of our members in our congregation who might be dealing with this and suffering.
13: For Dr. Puri and her team, the challenge is now not just for the community. She says gaps in the wider healthcare system also need to be taken care
14: of. There's lots of areas that we can infuse some of these uh, tailored approaches. Sometimes people come in here and we don't have somewhere else that we can always send them to if they need a different level of care.
13: Sonia Diol, Global News.
1: An animal rescue with a twist. Three people in San Antonio found out the hard way these aren't house cats. That's right after the forecast with Christy, a woman who is always dressed for success and out in the community at one of the events to support (laughs) other women to dress for success as well. Christy?
7: That's right. In Kitsilano at Regency. Thanks so much, Chris. You can see lots of people behind me enjoying cocktails, silent live auction, and a little later, 10 of the Dress for Success clients will actually be doing a fashion show, and our own Jennifer Palma will be emceeing tonight. Now. There are some beautiful breaks of blue sky out here right now, but do not be fooled, everyone. When you look at the radar imagery, you'll see across the south coast still some a few pockets of rain still expected this evening, and certainly inland regions have a risk of thunderstorms along with the rain that we're expecting. Now, it's mainly in through the central interior and the Kootenai region, with some areas expecting up to 15 millimeters still through the overnight period. The flood current concern is still there. With that rain and the risk of thunderstorms, these pockets of rain with those thunderstorms can be quite dangerous and of course we're back to heat Friday. We'll see the, showers, see the showers overnight and through the morning hours tomorrow. But let's look at the afternoon. Again, similar to today, some breaks of blue sky expected. Still a chance of showers, but certainly improving later in the day. And we've got to look forward to certainly. There's your forecast, everyone. Plenty of sunshine across the north. Uh, through the south, you'll see spotty showers. Again, still a risk of thunderstorms tomorrow and cool. We do warm up on Friday with that sunshine, though. And we have plenty of it on the way for the weekend. 25 20 away from the water I want to introduce you to Carla wood she is the board chair dress for success thanks so much for having us here. Thanks for being here now impact 360 is the name of this evening tell us a little bit about your 360 program
12: sure our dress for success program is really three stages in a client's journey the first Stage is what we're probably best known for and that's our dressing services so women who are unemployed or underemployed in the lower mainland of british columbia are able to come to us through referral agencies or self-referral to say hey i want a job and i want to look great and feel great when i'm doing that and our um, dressing services team-
1: we've got some technical difficulties out there at the dress for success event don't want that to take away from the great work that that group does so we're going to bail out right now And we'll have more details for you on the News at 11 tonight, but thanks to Christy and everybody else down there. All right, right now, they thought they were taking in some very cute kittens, but a Texas family's weekend rescue attempt backfired. The fur babies found in a San Antonio alley Saturday were actually bobcats. When the kittens were bottle-fed milk, they tore the bottles apart and bit back at their rescuer's. The family called animal control and the bobcats were taken away by a wildlife rescue group. Experts say the bobcats' black-tipped ears differentiate them from house cats. They are cute but not cuddly.
10: Well, yeah, we've also found out that bobcats, you know, have no gratitude. None. None whatsoever. You saved would me. Would you this. like Yeah, would you like some milk and uh, we saved you from Where were they again? San Antonio. No no Texas. on the woods or something or
1: Oh yeah, I'm not sure where they were rescued from. They were No gratitude. Yeah, no gratitude. Start biting people, wrecking their stuff. Okay. I'm I I'm showing great gratitude that you're here right now and moving along quickly.
10: Yeah. I wonder I wonder if that same family one time brought home bear cubs thinking they were chows.
1: <laughs> you're back on the kill. Oh, look at the chows. <laughs> oh. Cute but not cuddly. Squire Barnes, everybody.
10: Thank you very much. Um, We have talked a number of times about how Ladner's James Paxton has the right left-handed stuff to be a star in Major League Baseball. Now, last night against the Seattle Mariners, as we showed you last night, he gets the no-hitter. That's something no Canadian pitcher has done since 1945, Against the Blue Jays, no less. The team that actually first drafted him, but couldn't sign him. Here's how the final out sounded.
1: Donaldson a couple of feet in the grave already. To Steiger, the pick, the throw. Paxton has
10: done it. It's a no-hitter. It's been quite a season for James Paxton, and it's not even two months old. He's been attacked by an eagle before a game in Minnesota and survived. He broke a Canadian record for striking out 16 batters in one game. And in his very next start, he became the second Canadian to throw a no-hitter, and he did it on Canadian soil.
4: It's very special, you know. I mean, of all places, doing Toronto, that's uh, pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, the fans are great. They're giving me some trouble in, like, the seventh inning, but then almost I got past that. (laughs)
7: done
10: with
4: that, didn't you? Once I, once I got past that, uh, they started kind of cheering me on. It was it
10: was cool. Nobody talking to them. <laughs> Leave him alone. The Mariner players followed an age-old baseball tradition of not talking to their pitcher when the no-hitter is in play. And back home in Ladner, where his mom Barbara and dad Ted were watching with family members, they kind of applied the rule as well.
6: Next thing I know about the eighth inning, my husband says do you know what? And my brother-in-law said, do not say anything. And so we all just sat around, didn't say anything. So you all watched in silence? It's pretty much in silence. So we talked about, you know, the pitches and strike zone and that kind of stuff. But um, we didn't say anything about it being a no-hitter.
10: Now, if you didn't know, James Paxton's nickname is the Big Maple. And last night, he was showing off his Big Maple tattoo to the fans. And here's some tattoo trivia. His mother, who co-owns a cloth and quilting store and knows art, helped design that tattoo.
6: No, it's a it's a tattoo of his of a maple leaf. In the center of it has um, Boyer Island, where our family shares a summer place. Um, Ted's family's had a place there for 50 years or something, and so that's where we used to. He always went when he was young, and it just reminds him of Vancouver and and family.
10: Something was pretty. Brad Marchand is a very good player. Of that, there is no doubt. But he's also very strange at times. Just because you have the strength and energy of a Jack Russell Terrier does not mean you can go around licking other players. He never got suspended for his licks. He just got a ton lashing from the NHL.
1: I saw what you did there. I know.
10: He, uh, he said today he doesn't want to be stupid anymore on the ice. At least he'll try not to be stupid, which is something his teammates are very happy to hear, despite their love for him.
4: Such a strong, competitive uh, guy, um, but definitely something that he realized that he needs to get better, and and, um, and he will. Uh, I'm sure that he's gonna uh, have some thoughts about you know some of the stuff, and, and make sure that these uh, um, things don't affect his game, and, and affect his team, and, and he will be better.
10: Canucks prospect Elias Pettersson is sick. And I don't mean his moves and shot are sick, but they are. I mean he is actually sick in the normal way we use that word. He has the flu or some ailment, and the Swedes didn't have him playing against Austria today at the World Hockey Championships. In fact, they apparently quarantined him from the rest of the team. I hope it's not serious. I think just want to protect the other players, like Canucks goalie Anders Nilsson, who played for the Swedes. They only faced 14 shots, mind you. It's a nice goal by Matthias Jan Mark of uh, the Dallas Stars from Ricard Raquel of Anaheim. That made a 2-0 the first. Nilsson facing a breakaway here from Peter Schneider. Uh, no. He is denied.
1: chance for
10: Mika Zibanejad. Nice goal here as these Swedes celebrate Nilsson, which the Canuck fans didn't do very often this year. Here we go. Little drag. One more move, and it's a goal. And it's a 7-0 win for Sweden over Austria. And tomorrow... Canada has what should be a fairly easy one against Norway. There you
1: go. Well, if high gas prices are impacting your plans to hit the road this summer, the Okanagan has a supercharged solution. If you've ever wanted to hail a Tesla or steer one along the wine trail, John Waugh explains how electric vehicles are fueling tourism and changing the transportation game. It's the perfect combination for car enthusiasts.
3: Smooth winding roads... Spectacular postcard views. And do you hear that? Silence.
0: You know, you, you hit that pedal and there's no sound.
3: Electric vehicles or EVs helping the Okanagan make plenty of noise in the tourism world, establishing itself as a hub for eco conscious drivers, not just for people who own them.
0: A half hour to 40 minutes here will get you back on the road
3: with tons of range. In Ryan Silverthorne's case, rent them as well. Power Trips offers a chance to get behind the wheel of a Tesla and take a tour up Highway 97.
0: Our interest comes from all over the country, all over North America, really. We have people um, booking for this summer from the southern states coming up here, looking to do something
3: different. And when it comes to charging stations, the Okanagan was among the first to put itself on the map. EV users can head to a local distillery or park at a premier golf destination north on Highway 97 even pick up their groceries as they're heading back to town and still be able to give the battery a quick boost. We've got
10: a great community where we've, we've got the services available to us to get those stations set up, and we only want to see more and more of them.
3: Now let's just say that renting a vehicle to tour around the Okanagan isn't in your budget. Don't worry. Kelowna has another way for you to get a taste of the Tesla experience. You can always hail one if you're heading out for a night on the town with the all-electric...
0: And they're calling us just to go for a ride. It's not necessarily to take us from here to home. They want to just get in the car. At least once per shift, somebody has said this is their first time in a Tesla.
3: Getting a lift in luxury costs the same price as a regular cab. No high prices at the pumps to pass on to the customer. I don't pay too much attention to the gas prices. Maybe the biggest reason EV tourism is surging in the Okanagan. Going green makes perfect sense with views like this on the open road. John Hua, Global News, Kelowna.
1: Full disclosure: I hope to own one of those cars one day. We'll see if it ever happens. I, I got to straighten I, some things out at Tesla
10: first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I still, I, I'm a little freaked out. Are there enough charging stations? I mean, there seems to be a lot in the Okanagan, but there's enough yeah. in other places that I don't go. Zzzz. And I got to go to some dude's house and ask if he can you know, plug in my electric That's right. car to his well, house. Th- you know. Who would turn you down? Well, I don't know. Show up there. You mean-